0: What can wash away my sins is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ushers, I'm going to push you this morning on this side. We're going to make sure that we put, mix this up a little bit. It reminds me of a marriage when you, one couple is African American, one purple, white, and then one side is this side. Let's mix it up this morning. Let's just mix it up a little bit this morning. All right, we're going to mix it up. Let me pray for us this morning. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you. We bless you for the God that you are. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for how you continue to be the God of our salvation. God, we love you and we bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Happy 4th, Grace City. Happy 4th of July. Let's give God a praise for our independence. Hallelujah. We get to celebrate our nation's independence. And we as Christians know our true independence is being found in our interdependence upon Christ. It is through Christ's independence and our interdependence upon him that we find true freedom and Christ. Somebody say amen to that. The Apostle Paul writes that church into the church of Galatia, that is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. But Jesus put it this way. Jesus said in the book of John, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Anybody free in here this morning because of the uh, the Jesus Christ. We are in the second week of our series, entitled Real News, The Power in Our Stories. And I've challenged us this week, and I've challenged us every week, that we are to get 10 stories and share 10 stories. How many of you all this morning have done your assignment? We only have 10 weeks. How many people have one story already? Yes, come on, raise your hand. Don't don't, don't get shy on me. That means the rest of y'all have some homework to do today. You have to get 10 stories and share 10 stories. Last week, I tried to help us to understand the truth in our story by uh, helping us to by telling our stories and wanted us to share. It's important for us to share our stories and the power of those stories that we share. This week we're examining how the stories we're telling ourselves can cripple us when our stories doesn't match God's story of our lives. So let's look at John chapter five verses one through twelve. I'll be reading the scriptures in your hearing. Sometimes later. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the festivals and now there in Jerusalem near the Sheepgates Pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, in which he's surrounded by five colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lay there blind, lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in his condition for a long time. And he asked them, do you want to get well? Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which he took this place was the Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up my mat and walk. So he asked him, who is the fellow who told you to pick up and walk? Our focus text this morning is verse six and seven. When Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he had been in his condition for a long time. He asked, "Do you want to get well?" And the man's response was, "Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me." For the time that's mine this morning, I just want to preach from this story. Stop crippling yourself by your own story. Stop crippling yourself by your own story. Grace City, stories are powerful. Stories have the power to deliver you, but stories have the power to stick you. Stories have the power to motivate you, but stories have the power to unmotivate you. Stories have the power to encourage you, but stories also have the power to discourage you. Stories have the power to lift you, Whitney but stories have the power to break you. Stories have the power to move you, but stories have the power to cripple you. The question this morning is, what story are you telling yourself, Grace City? Grace City, we're called to live out God's story for our lives, not the story we're telling ourselves. That that, that is so important that we are called to live out God's story. Too many of us are basing our stories on feelings or others' opinion of our life, instead of what is God saying about our lives. Too many of us start our stories with how it makes me feel, but our story should start with how it's making me in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. I dare you to look at somebody this morning and tell somebody, my faith is making me right now. My faith is making me right now. The faith is making me right now. Through a pandemic, your faith is making you right now. Through sickness, your faith is making you right now. Through abandonment, faith is making you right now. 16 months being alone, faith is making you right now. Home, single parenting, by yourself, faith is making you right now. Grace City, I told you last week that Jesus is at the center of our stories. And when he's at the center of our stories, we become a story of faith, hope, forgiveness, and redemption. The faith message of Jesus never changed. He is the hope. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. He is our peace. He is our joy. That is the message of Jesus Christ. But Grace City, God is writing a story, but we don't get to control the message, and we don't get to control the method, Grace City. See, sometimes in our lives, We know the message of Jesus, but we create a story in our head on the method on how how Jesus moves that story in our lives. And here's the problem. Our God is not obligated to the story that we create in our minds. Our God is obligated to his word. The question this morning is, what story are you telling yourselves that you think God is supposed to do it that way? Because when we create a story in our mind that this is the way God is supposed to do it, we're at risk of getting stuck. And the message this morning, don't cripple yourself by your own story. Well, this is where we are in the text this morning, where Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Notice he did not go to people that could help him financially, politically, with his ministry. He went to people who are in need. He goes to the place where people are in the worst version of themselves, people who are overlooked, imperial, underestimated, reduced down to their condition. Jesus went to those people. In other words, (laughs) Jesus was very intentional about hanging with people who are on the margins of life. He he, sees Jesus with a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years. The text tells this man to go to the margins, see the people on the margins, and we learn about the people on the margins. What the text does not say is that he avoids the people on the margin. He overlooks the people on the margins. He knows what's best for the people on the margin. The text says he goes, he sees, he learns, and then he asks questions. Let me say it again. The text says he goes, he sees, he learns, he asks questions. He doesn't avoid, overlook, act like he knows what's going on in their lives and then ask questions. Can I ask you a question this morning? If God, is, if Jesus is an all seeing and all knowing God and he goes, sees and learn before opening his mouth and putting his mouth on people. Maybe it's a good idea for the church that before we open our mouths and have a prediction on the conditions of people, maybe we should go see learn and ask questions. (laughs) Jesus learns that the man had been in his condition for 38 years. So Jesus asks a question. He asks this man, do you want to get well? Maybe that's the question for somebody this morning, that when you look out in this crowd, maybe the question for us is, do you want to get well, because he asked the question, do you want to get well? Not because he didn't know the answer, but he asked the question, sometimes questions are asked so that you can hear your own story. He asked them, do you want to get well? And, and Kathy, the answer is simply this, yes or no. But listen to how he answers. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else comes down before me. This man's thought, he has a myth and a story. The angel was to come down and stir up the water, and the first person that gets in the pool would be healed of their infirmity. That's the story that he had in his head. In his head, he said, If 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 I could if I could get down here first and be the first one to get to the pool, then my situation. Can change. He's rehearsed this story in his head for 38 years. <laughs> He's been telling himself if I get close enough, if I can be fast enough, if I can be good enough, if I can hang around the right people, if I can be the people around me that can change my situation, maybe I can be healed. He told himself this story for 38 years and oh let me come get you <laughs> because some of us been telling us the same story for 38 years. If I could be good enough, if I can be close enough, if I can be acceptable enough, then my situation will change. But I, I come down here to tell you this morning that this story isn't about your ability <laughs> but this story is about God's ability. <laughs> the question I have for you this morning what story are you telling yourself that's crippling you? Grace City, God's story is greater than any story we're telling ourselves. When the story that we're telling ourselves is in contradiction of the story that God is telling us, we can find ourselves crippled in our story. But when God is aligning our crippling story with his story, we can find two things in this text that I believe will help us. The first thing I see that when our story gets aligned with God's story, we will see our positioning change. Write that down. That's that's a good time. To... When our story aligns with God's story, we will see our positioning changing. Here it is in the text. He says, then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, picked up his mat the day which he took the place was the seventh. For 38 years, this man had been sitting on a mat waiting for water to stir up. <laughs> That's the story he played in his head. The first thing Jesus does is change his position. The first thing he says to him, get up. <sighs> he moves his feet. He moves him. He tells him, get up. Some of y'all have been sitting for too long. If we want the condition to change in our city, if we want the condition to change in our community, if we want the condition to change in our families, we got to get up. I dare you to tell somebody, get up this morning. He moves him to his feet. And I don't know if the man was crippled physically or mentally, but Jesus tells him to change his position. Don't sit there anymore. Get up. Sometimes we're stuck in the myth of our story because there is a moment in our lives where God is. You cannot get where God wants you to be until he positions your life differently. And the question I have for you this morning, are you willing to be positioned differently? Sometimes God has to change your position in life so that you can get a different perspective on your life so that God can change your life. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but many of us have been in a position for too long. God says, change your position. You're feeling depressed and feeling like you want to stay down. But your faith is declaring to you this morning in depression, get up. You're feeling like you can't go on, but your faith is saying to you this morning, get up. You're feeling like your marriage is over. You got one foot in divorce court and another foot on a banana peel, but your faith is telling you this morning, get up. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody needs to get up this morning. Y'all real quiet. Because God is trying to change the perspective. See, listen, listen, church. It's a reason when you watch a football game, you have coaches on the sidelines. But there's also a coach in the fans up high. Because although the coach has a straight view of what's going on, there are moments where he gets another perspective from the higher view because he's in another position. See, let me help you understand this morning. Jesus is telling his man to get up because he's giving him a higher perspective on his (laughs) situation. If I was in a Baptist Baptist church, that's where it would just, everybody would be shouting right there. Anyway, he's changing his position so that he can change his perspective. You've been sitting in the same position all this time and you keep wondering why you keep seeing the same thing the same way. He's changing (laughs) your position. He said, man, get up. And then he says, take up your mat. He tells him, I want you to pick up the comfortable, and began to stand in the uncomfortable. (laughs) Some of y'all have, see, this this talking to folk get on your nerves and and, and calling you to community gets on your nerves because I'm calling you to the uncomfortable. (laughs) Reconciliation is uncomfortable. (laughs) Some of y'all want a little comfortable church where we don't speak to anybody and we just kind of, no, the flavor group statement said that everybody feel like they're not being talked to. That means we have to be uncomfortable. I have to reach across the aisle and say, child, that shirt is cute. I love that shirt. What's your name? Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm not trying to embarrass you this morning, but I'm just trying to make my point that we've got to be... You can wave at me, wave at me, well, y'all wave at me. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable, it's my point. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. First thing he does is change his position. Second thing you see here is it makes him uncomfortable. But then he tells him to walk. Ah. For so long, for 38 years, he's been sitting as a victim. He changed his position, get him out of the uncomfortable, and now he's walking as a victor. That's another Baptist moment where everybody would, you preach, boy, you better be preaching. That, that, that's what they would have said. But anyway, <clears throat> but, but they are, now he's walking in victory. He was 38 years in a position, lower position, 38 years comfortable in where he was, 38 years sitting in the victim. And now he says, walk as a victim. The first thing he does is change his position. But let me help you understand something. Whenever you change your position, here comes opposition. I'm in the text. I'm not making it up. Whenever you change your spiritual position. The enemy will bring opposition. The text says, watch this, y'all. I'm not making it up. He's walking around with the mat in victory. And <laughs> not that a victory walk? The thing that had you down, you holding it on your shoulder just walking around. And guess what? The opposition said, why are you walking around with a mat on Sunday? Today is Sunday. You're supposed to rest on Sunday. Why are you walking around in your victory on Sunday? Notice the opposition. They're not acknowledging that he's been down for 38 years. All they're concentrating on is trying to trap Jesus. He could have at least said, man, I'm glad you, you're doing well now, but you shouldn't be carrying that on Sunday, right? But no, that's not because opposition has an agenda. But my point here is that Jesus is changing the opposition. Now, the man walks around. I love the story. The man walks around. Now, the man doesn't even know Jesus' name, but he's healed, sitting there. He doesn't even know his name. Because the, cause the te- teachers of the law said, who healed you? The man doesn't know G- who the man that healed him, but he don't want to get in trouble. So he says, well, he said, why are you walking around with that mat? And that man said, well, there was a man that came who told me pick up my mat and walk, and I picked it up. That's my answer. He told me pick up my mat and walk, and I picked it up, and that's why I'm walking around. And Then they find out that it's Jesus who told them to pick up the mat. And watch the text, y'all. Verse 17, I think it is. The text says they began to, they want to persecute him. They want to persecute Jesus. But Jesus uses this moment to set up this religious story they had in their hand. In their head, the story they have is that the purpose for the Sabbath, for the purpose for the Sabbath, is to rest and do nothing. The Sabbath means to do nothing. And because Jesus did something, then Jesus must be wrong on the Sabbath. That's the story they're creating in their head. And Jesus is like, okay. And so Jesus, and it's a whole lot of words in here that you can translate in the Greek. Can I put the CLB version on the coyle Lamar Barnes version on what the text is actually saying? So Jesus gets in front. Can I stand in front of here? How far can I get in front? Am I all right? So Jesus... Stands in front of them, and because the text says they get ready, they want to persecute him, they get ready to persecute him. And Jesus does something very unique about their thinking. He says, okay, you feel as though that we should rest on Sunday. But here's my question to you. Again, you got to interpret this in Greek and all of that. But here's the interpretation. You say I'm supposed to rest on Sunday. But does God rest on Sunday? Based on your interpretation, if I have to make sure I don't get sick on Sunday, because if I get sick on Sunday, that means I'm wrong for for God helping me on Sunday. He says, is that what you're telling me? He said, and then Jesus says, no. You know better than that. You know that we serve a God that heals all the time we can it comes to us when we are in need at any time and then Jesus says what i did was align myself with the relationship with my father and you're aligning yourself with religion this faith is not about religion this faith is about a relationship and he helped the pharisees to change their he helped his opposition to change their position. Let me come get you, Grace City. You have a story that God is changing your position, but you also have a story in your story that God is changing the opposition's position. The Pharisees had to accept the fact that on this day, this man went back healed, whole, even though they was trying to trap Jesus. Let me tell you something, your testimony And your story has the ability to even change the enemy. Good God Almighty. This story can even change your enemies. That's why we can't afford to have our private stories to ourselves. God is not just changing you. But he's changing the opposition that's around you, that God of Worship team, y'all could come. I'm really done. Listen, we serve a God that his this story of Jesus, this redemptive plan that he's doing in our lives, is so transformative. When we come to the communion table, This, I need you to understand that when they say they persecuted him, John is introducing, watch this, y'all, the communion table. They were accusing him of something that he wasn't early in this text. And John is introducing that this is how he will be persecuted for you and for me. From a narrative, watch, oh, this is, y'all missed it, y'all missed it. They create a narrative about Jesus that wasn't true, that then took him to the cross to redeem you. Oh, that was so good. Did y'all miss that? They create a narrative that wasn't true that sent Jesus to the cross to redeem you. A false narrative took him to the cross. You are redeemed from a false narrative. <laughs> oh man, boy, I'm missing my Baptist church right there. Lord have mercy. You redeemed from a false narrative that would have just torn the church up, right? Right there, telling you, church would have been torn. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, we bless you, we honor you. Wouldn't have tear the church up right there. false, that would have torn up. But Father, we thank you, we bless you, we celebrate you for the God that you are. Thank you for the independence. More importantly, thank you for our interdependence on your grace and your mercy. God, we love you, we honor you, we bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.